one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. We're glad to have you with us as we get set to roll into this Memorial Day weekend. This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. Joining me is Zach Barletta. You can follow us on your favorite social media program. Our handle is at BTG Program or stop by our website, btgprogram.com. Coming up a bit later in today's show, David Ortiz was back in the news this past week blaming the New York press, and even hinting that it was the Yankees themselves who leaked his 2003 positive test for PEDs to the media? Do you think he misses the media attention? Is he still grinding the same old axe? Or is he starting to do a little damage control to protect his legacy as he looks down the road towards the Hall of Fame? Plus, Colin Kaepernick may be close to a job if he hasn't already found it by the time this program airs. How does Geno Smith have a job and Colin Kaepernick does not? How does E.J. Manuel have a job and Colin Kaepernick does not? Is he being blackballed by the NFL? Are their teams just avoiding him or are they legitimately concerned about a career passing percentage hovering right around 60%? Of course, we'll have shenanigans coming up. You like that. We'll see whatever else we can fit into the next 57, 58 minutes or so, but As we get ready to roll into, happy Memorial Day weekend to you. Major League Baseball recommended back in the latter part of 2015, Zach, that teams should expand the netting around the home play area to protect its fans. But for some reason, they left it up to the clubs to decide how much netting is appropriate down the baseline. And I don't know how many acted upon it. I don't know how many put more up. I have none of that information. When it comes to the safety of fans attending the game, there is no reason to be hesitant for Major League Baseball to be hesitant in establishing guidelines that may prevent situations such as what happened the other night at Yankee Stadium as the Yankees hosted the Royals. If you didn't see it, Chris Carter hit a broken bat grounder. Part of the bat flew into the stands and hit a young boy in the head and ended up drawing blood. The fan was sitting... Pretty far up. I, You know, he's not right on the wall. He's seven rows into the crowd. He was given first aid right there on the site, and he was sent somewhere else, I assume a hospital, where he received additional treatment. Most any ballpark you go to, probably all of them, I would imagine, they have signs which remind fans to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But let's be real. this It's hard for adults to do, let alone kids. You're looking down at your nachos, your popcorn cup, you're looking away at other fans who are doing something goofy. How many people are actually paying full attention for every minute or every pitch of a Major League Baseball game? And I'll be honest, if there's a chunk of a baseball bat flying at my head, I don't know that I would be able to react and know exactly what to do in that situation. You know, it's, it's very probable I'd maybe have time to throw my hands up and try not to take one in the face, but... You know, that's a split second to make a decision, and I don't think it's fair to expect 
a little kid or anyone else to know what to do in that situation. It's amazing to me that it doesn't happen more often. Mm-hmm. I, there are so many rocket foul balls that go into the crowd. There are so many broken bats or thrown bats. It's not even broken, just loose grips mm-hmm. that go flying into the stands. And as you just described, you might be able to get your hands up to protect your face, but that's still going to hurt. Yeah. You know, if the bat is spinning around and it, you take it in the wrist bone as you're trying to protect your face with your hand, it's still going to hurt. Mm-hmm. These teams have to put up more netting. I don't know what they're resistant about. It's not going to affect the fans' view. If you're sitting behind home plate looking through the net, three pitches in, you don't even, you forget the net's even there. Yeah. You know, it doesn't bother you. You can see right through it. It's like a hockey game with the net. It doesn't bother you. You can Mm -hmm. see right through it. I don't understand the reluctance. Now, I don't know if you need it around the entire game, around the entire stadium, you know, but certainly down the first and third base lines. And I would even go a little bit farther than the bag itself, the 90 feet. I'd go a little bit farther than that because you do see some foul balls that are just line drives into the stands. Chris Carter hit the ball. He said that he intends to reach out to the family of the young fan, which obviously he doesn't have to do, but that's a very nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. And speaking of injuries, and what discussion about baseball and injuries is complete without a reference to the New York Mets? Oh, my gosh. As we record this segment in the BTG studio, the Mets have eight players on the disabled list, which have caused them to fall well, well behind the Washington Nationals mm-hmm. in the NL East at this point. The Mets are currently without Joanna Cespedes, Noah Syndergaard, Steve Matz, Familia, Wright, Asdrubal Cabrera. They are missing a good chunk of what would be their starting lineup. Yeah. And the Mets medical staff has been publicly criticized, I think rightfully so. They've been questioned as injuries continue to be an issue for this team. This past week, Mets manager Terry Collins was somewhat vague and Maybe even cryptic, as he suggested that perhaps he's been given a gag order when it comes to discussing the Mets injury situation, referring to outfielder Jay Bruce. He exited Tuesday's game. He had lower back situation, some tightness. He didn't play at all on Wednesday. Collins told the New York Post, I'm not at liberty to discuss any injury situation. He'll be in there when he's in there. He was then asked if he could at least say if Bruce would be available to pinch hit to which Collins said he could not comment on that. No, I'm not able to. You think that Collins is just tired of talking about the numerous Mets injuries, or would the front office really go as far as to tell their their field manager that he can't talk about it anymore? I would would guess that he probably doesn't have a gag order that they wouldn't tell him you can't talk about them, because they are the big story. Then again, it's the Mets, and as dysfunctional as they have been, maybe he has, I don't know, I... I feel like he's probably just sick and tired of it, and he probably doesn't want to say anything more unless he's talked to the medical staff and has a guarantee that, yes, this is the official diagnosis and timetable or whatever. But I can't imagine that he enjoys talking about it anymore at this point. This is a team with a lot of a lot of talent on the roster, mm-hmm. and it's a team that has been hit by injuries a lot, not just this year. So whatever training, and what do I know about training, but whatever medical training thing they're going through in preparing their ball players, I'm not sure it's the right thing. Some, a number of these guys put on a lot of weight in muscle. They lifted weights. 
Um, forget the players who I think Syndergaard was one of them. I think Cespedes was another. They put on 10, 15 pounds of muscle, which in baseball is a, is a difficult thing to do because mm-hmm. it's such a muscle memory sport, whether it's a swing, pitching mechanics, whatever it is, it's muscle memory. You're adding all that muscle. That's affecting how you swing. I'm, I'm, obviously, some players can do it. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is the Mets doing, uh, I think they need to review it because it doesn't seem to be the right thing. But again, what do I know? I'm talking as somebody who's just looking on from afar. That's why I don't work out because I want to stay safe. I'm not going to build up that muscle memory, <laughs> that muscle mass and get injured. I'm just going to be out of shape and, and uh, uninjured. The sad thing for Collins is he has really nothing to do. He doesn't set mm-hmm. the protocol for the training r- regimen. He doesn't handle the injuries. The sad thing is either way, if the Mets fall out of contention due to these mounting injuries, it's probably going to cost him his job. Mm-hmm. There were questions at the end of last year. There's almost certainly going to be questions if they're out of contention this year. Is he the right guy? And none of that is probably his fault. It's time to let you hear from some of our sponsors. Come on back after the break. Spend a little a little of your Memorial Day weekend with us, along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Join the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as they present Faith and Family Night Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium as the Rochester Rhinos take on the Ottawa Fury. Ticket prices start at just $15, with part of the ticket proceeds going to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. There'll be music featuring local Christian band Venerant and post-match testimonies, including that from Rochester Rhinos legend Doug Miller. So come on out and support your local FCA Saturday, June 17th, as the Fellowship of Christian Athletes presents Faith and Family Night at Capelli Sports Stadium. Game time is 6.05 p.m., Tickets can be purchased at the Rhinos box office or call 454-5425 or email tickets at rhinosoccer.com. Use code FCA because remember, part of the ticket proceeds go to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's Faith and Family Night, Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium. Is here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem, covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. 
Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. And let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports with faith. And Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson. <laughs> we didn't mention it then, but last week was our three-year anniversary of our first broadcast together, Zach. Happy anniversary to you. Oh, thank you. You know, I was thinking today that that, was, must, that, that, that must be coming up soon, so I guess I, I just missed it. Seems appropriate that as we enter into our fourth year of doing this program that we bring up one of our favorite topics – <laughs> that of David Ortiz. Oh, boy. One of the greatest power hitters, really, of all time. I mean, really, he's a terrific hitter. He was so good in the clutch situations, especially against the Yankees. Just seemed to always hurt the Yankees, which in a rivalry such as the Yankees-Red Sox, being so clutch, especially against your rival, mm -hmm. I mean, it just creates legends, makes you bigger than life. And oh, yeah. Fans can often overlook and downplay the negative aspect of their hero's games. David Ortiz was a great power hitter, but wasn't really a great first baseman. You know, is he a Hall of Famer? I think so. Absolutely. I, I would think so. But if Edgar Martinez isn't in by the time Ortiz is eligible, then I say no. I mean, Edgar Martinez has to go in first or at the same time. Absolutely, yeah. Because they're basically very similar type players, right? Oh, one absolutely. one dimensional, yeah. I think I think Big Poppy absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame, but until Edgar Martinez is in, he can wait. Well, you and I agree on that, and cer certainly it was his own abilities. Certainly, it was also that he was playing in Boston and helped bring a World Series title to a city that had gone over a yeah. hundred years without one. Certainly, it was his star performance against their biggest rival, the Yankees. But it was also the marketing machine of Major League Baseball, which turned David Ortiz into something larger than life. Mm -hmm. And I have no problem with that at all. But please don't tell me that it hasn't at least gone to his head a little bit. Red Sox fans tend to give Ortiz a free pass when it comes to his ego. Now, he would. this is a guy that would stand so close to the plate, so tight on the plate, that sometimes if a pitch even caught the inside part of the plate, the umpires wouldn't call it a strike because, mm -hmm. one, it's David Ortiz, and, two, it's so close to him because of where he's standing that, mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe they were fooled, but they wouldn't call it a strike. Beyond that, he would be outraged, seemingly offended that a pitcher would dare throw him inside. He would actually get upset about it, it seemed. Uh, uh, and the pitch wouldn't even be that far inside. Like I say, it might have even been a strike, and you just didn't get the call. Mm -hmm. I'm still baffled why teams, especially the Yankees, because he hit them so hard, why they didn't throw him inside more? Heck, I would have hit him. You mm -hmm. know, not to hurt him, but to get him off the plate. You know, throw inside. You got to move that guy. For whatever reason, the Yankees never seemed to do that. I have no idea why. Despite his surly attitude at times, baseball turned him into this big, huggable giant of a man. You know, he was a great power hitter, 
but he'd also been connected to PEDs, yet that never seemed to get mentioned. Mm-hmm. And yet he was still portrayed as this laughable, lovable guy. Sometimes professional ballplayers, they have a hard time letting go. Regardless of the sport, one of the most common things they say is hard to walk away from is the camaraderie in the locker room. Mm-hmm. And I got that word out right. I always struggle saying that word. Do you have a word that you have difficulty saying? Most of them. <laughs> <laughs> camaraderie, and I'm focusing on it to get it out. It's uh-huh. just for whatever reason I can't say that. My wife struggles with the word ancient. She can't. Really? She does. It's My wife camaraderie is, I understand because there's like a, there's a lot of syllables in it. Ancient. That's kind of, for especially since she's a teacher. That's kind of. Weird. She's one of the brightest, if not the brightest mm-hmm. person I've ever met. But she can't say the word ancient. She she it troubles. Anyway, the camaraderie for a ball player and an athlete is difficult to walk away from. It's why some retire, then they unretire, then they retire again because they miss that lifestyle. They miss that locker room atmosphere. And, of course, there's numerous other reasons that make it hard for somebody to walk away from the game. And maybe you can relate because you've become adjusted to your lifestyle, whatever it is that you do in your workplace and, you know, wherever you're listening from. If you've done it for a long time, you get used to that. Then all of a sudden you're retired and you don't know what to do with yourself. Uh, I know some some people when it comes to retirement age, they just they run out the door first chance they get. But others, they just hang on because they don't know what to do themselves. One of the many other reasons that professional athletes have a hard time letting go is because they love the attention. Mm -hmm. They love being in the headlines. They love being talked about, and they can't seem to handle it when nobody talks about them anymore. I don't think that applies to David Ortiz, do you? I think it might because (laughs) is he dealing with this? It wasn't that long ago when there were rumors during the spring that maybe he wanted to come back already. Mm -hmm. And I suppose, look, I get that. All your, so many of the people you know are reporting for spring training. The calendar says it's time to go back to work and yet you're sitting at home trying to pick out which pair of Bermuda shorts to wear that day. I I get it. You probably got an itch that needs to be scratched and scratched away, but Now we hear that Ortiz went on WEEI in Boston just this past week and is still trying to denounce, cover up, justify, go ahead, pick your word, the 2009 New York Times report, which included his name with the likes of Alex Rodriguez, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Manny Ramirez, and other guys who tested positive for performance, for using performance-enhancing drugs in 2003. Keep in mind that the test results were intended to remain anonymous and that this list was supposed to be completely confidential. Obviously, that didn't happen. Somehow it got out. It was the results of this supposedly anonymous 2003 testing, which Major League Baseball and its Players Association were going to use to determine how widespread PED usage was and from that, institute a policy, a full-fledged drug testing policy. Oh, and the other thing to keep in mind, this was not a report revealing those suspected of using PEDs. This was a list of players who tested positive. David Ortiz's name was on that list. Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, all been embarrassed, all been discredited, to some degree or another, except for one, David Ortiz. Mm -hmm. I have never been able to understand why that is 
apart from the marketing machine that is Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. In the recent interview with WEEI, Ortiz claims it was a conspiracy originating out of New York. He said the test results were leaked because too many Yankee players were testing positive, and now I can only think of three, Knobloch, Pettit, and, of course, Roger Clemens. Mm -hmm. So he says that so many Yankee players were testing positive that the New York Times leaked the Red Sox players to sort of even things out. Three doesn't seem to need to be evened out to me. Right. Ortiz said, quote, I always sit down and think about what was the reason for them to come out with something like that. The only thing that I can think of, a lot of guys from the Yankees were getting caught. Well, how about this? How about your name was included on the list? So And you're a superstar. It's news. It is news. You know? As, of the re- as a result of that report in the New York Times, Rodriguez got shredded. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, he's handled the whole thing very poorly, lied on a number of occasions. For But for what it's worth, he did eventually hold a press conference, and he did eventually say that he used steroids as a member when he was with the Texas Rangers for the three years he spent there. Mm-hmm. Most people remember that press conference very well. What they don't remember is the press conference that David Ortiz had at Yankee Stadium in all places later that summer where he said that, where's his quote here? He said he was careless earlier in his career, that he never used steroids. His quote is this, I definitely was a little bit careless back in those days when I was buying legal supplements and legal vitamins over the counter. But I never buy steroids or use steroids. I never thought about buying supplements and vitamins was going to hurt anybody's feelings. That happened. I'm sorry about that. Now, I've always scoffed at Jason Giambi's apology Mm-hmm. Saying I'm sorry, but not really saying what I'm sorry for. It was that. Remember that? That was a weird, yeah, weird apology. But this is just as weird. Why would you be sorry for buying vitamins and supplements? That is, if they were legal, mm-hmm. vitamins and supplements. What about buying legal supplements or legal vitamins is careless? I mean, that is unless you're buying them from a company named Balco and it comes shipped to your door (laughs) in a box and a brown paper wrapper with no information on it. And that's the standard uh, excuse you get from everybody. Oh, I bought some supplements and some vitamins and I didn't check the ingredients and I don't know how it got in there and that's my bad. You know, like that's just the stock excuse that he could basically have copied and pasted from anybody. Now, in fairness to Ortiz and everyone listed in that 2003 screening, Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said last year while he was in Boston that there were double-digit number of names on that list that they knew had legitimate questions about the accuracy of the results. So he may have, in fact, ne- may never have used PEDs, but he did test positive. So the 2009 report of the results that showed positive tests should create more questions, it would seem, than it has. Mm-hmm. Yet he's always gotten a pass, especially for a guy that came out of nowhere the way he did after he left Minnesota. You know, he may not be guilty. Only he and a handful of others may really know. But in my opinion, there's certainly enough there to ask the question. If I had a Hall of Fame vote, I would put him in. Mm -hmm. Like we said at the top, as long as Edgar Martinez is in, I'm going to put David Ortiz in. But you said it well. If, if, If Edgar's not in yet, David Ortiz has to wait. Because they're the same type. Although I guess home runs are weighed more 
of more value than average. And mm. Edgar Martinez was more of a higher average hitter. Mm. But just a great, great hitter. Oh, absolutely. A, a really terrific hitter. But the report is out there. It's part of his legacy, just as it is for Andy Pettit. Mm-hmm. I doubt it will have any effect on his Hall of Fame chances, that is Ortiz. But I think that's what he's doing, damage control, blaming the New York Times, blaming the New York Yankees, blame everyone. Ortiz also said in the WEEI interview, it's not up to me anymore about the Hall of Fame. I think I did what I was supposed to. I worked extremely hard to represent Boston the way I did. So obviously it's on his mind. It's important to him. I get that. But blaming others is sort of missing the point. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that there was something to leak. It really isn't a matter, although I think it's wrong if it was leaked, obviously. But that's not the point. The point is you tested positive for EPEDs. Yeah, the the leak happened because he was a big name and a superstar in the game of baseball. There were a lot of other names on that list that weren't leaked because nobody cared who they were. You know, that's why you see names like A-Rod and Poppy and Manny Ramirez and stuff. Your name wasn't leaked because you played in Boston and the leak came from New York. Your name was leaked because it was one of the biggest names that could possibly have been on that list. You know, like it's it's a no-brainer. Questioning the accuracy of the test process, questioning the accuracy of the results, fine, I get that. I, I, I would too. If he believes himself to be clean, that's fine. But blaming others for leaking it, you're, you're missing the point there. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. At some point, we will all give an account of everything that we have ever done, both good and bad. We will stand before a holy God with the truth laid out before us, and we will give an account for our lives. We will answer for the choices we have made, the things we have said, and all which we've done. The Christian faith puts an emphasis on confession, on repentance. Confession and repentance of sins is necessary for salvation, for entry into eternal life in heaven. Personal responsibility, well, it's a huge part of the Christian lifestyle. The true Christian lifestyle, I should say, I guess. It's much easier to say that you're going to take personal account responsibility than it is to actually do it. But no one else is responsible for your sins other than you. We're the ones behind our attitudes. We're the ones behind our actions. And when we accept personal responsibility in these areas, we're then in a position to be able to change those areas where we're wrong. Too many people avoid taking responsibility for their own actions. It's sort of like they, you know, they believe that they can hide behind them. Our courts are filled with people that are just blaming somebody else. Well, it wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. You, know, you hear these stories where somebody's robbing a house and they actually end up suing the homeowner because they tripped and fell over a skateboard or something mm-hmm. ridiculous like that. Yeah. But this has been true since the beginning of creation. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam blamed Eve. Genesis 3.12, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. One verse later, Eve shifted the blame to the serpent. Uh, well, she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate in Genesis 3.13. For some, like I say, it's just sort of a safe place for them, not taking personal responsibility. They can justify their actions or even their lack of action. 
if I blame somebody else other than me. It takes strength. It takes character. It takes integrity to take personal responsibility. It takes discipline and and courage to accept blame and fault, but it's the very first step to a restored relationship with God. The missteps in your life, they're not God's faults. They're ours. Blaming him or or blaming anyone else is just a cop-out. Lord, I've messed up. Me, I did. Forgive me, please. Help me pick up the pieces and move on. I want to encourage you to take responsibility for your attitudes, for your actions. You can even take responsibility for the friends you associate with. Are they good influence on you or are they not? I want to thank you for being part of the Beyond the Game program this morning. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. We'll be back right after this. Here's the Red Hawks report for our broadcast on May 27th, 2017. The Red Hawks report being presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. The Roberts Wesleyan men's golf team completed its season this past week at the NCAA D2 Regional Tournament with a 14th place finish. The Red Hawks shot a 306 in the opening round, found themselves sitting in 8th place overall and in great position to move on to the national tournament, but it wasn't meant to be after they dropped into 11th place after the second round before eventually finishing up in the 14th spot. The U.S. Track and Field and Cross Country Coaches Association has released its 2017 All-Region Teams featuring seven student-athletes from Roberts Wesleyan College. On the men's side, Ashton Colaire was named All-Region, ranked 4th in 110-meter hurdles and 5th in 400-meter hurdles. Paul Dunbar was named for his second-ranked pole vault season. Josiah Adelini was ranked 5th in 1,500 meters. And Malcolm Shaw received All-Region honors, ranked 3rd in the Javelin. For the women, Christina Button ranked 5th in heptathlon. Chelsea Hayward was ranked 1st in 100-meter and 2nd in 200-meter. And Rachel Hutchinson was ranked 3rd in 1,500-meters and 5th in 800-meters. Congratulations also going out to Cassidy Joukowsky, senior on the women's lacrosse team. Among a number of year-end awards she's received for her 2017 season, Joukowsky's been named All-American third team for NCAA Division II. She's made her hometown of Lafayette, New York, proud this season, finishing with 83 goals and 35 assists. That's our Red Hawks report for this week, May 27, 2017. The Red Hawks report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Red Hawks. Or for the latest scores, news, and highlights, visit the Roberts Wesleyan Athletics website, athletics.roberts.edu. This has been the Red Hawks Report, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. Zach, let's get into this week's shenanigans statement. Number one, the NFL's relaxed celebration rules are good for the game. I agree. 
I may think those celebrations are a little stupid, but most fans seem to love it. I guess, what are they going to allow? Group demonstrations again? They'll allow the ball to be used as a prop and players can celebrate while they're on the ground. And I guess I don't care that much. I, I know that there's a fine line, though, between what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. So I guess as long as they don't cross that line, I really don't care that much. And I don't want to see anything that I would think is dirty or like they're imitating Miley Cyrus or something. But yeah. uh, as long as it doesn't become too selfish to look at me. Because remember, the guy who scores a touchdown gets to celebrate. But without the passers, without the blockers, you probably don't score that touchdown. But yeah, yeah I think a little adjustment to the celebration rules are good for the game. I think uh, there will be a little adjustment period. But uh, I agree. I think that um, one of the ways it's going to help the game is there's going to be a lot fewer stupid celebration penalties affecting football games. And sometimes they were you know? just as bad as the penalty themselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the celebration itself. But I think it's good for a player who's, you know, sacrifices their body as much as football players do to get to celebrate when they're successful. And, um, you know, yeah, don't have a Sharpie in your sock. Don't have a, a, a cell phone in the goalpost. But, you know, you want to spin the football. You want to, you know, have some choreographed touchdown dance where everybody falls down or whatever. That's fine. It's cool. Number two. The new rule shortening NFL overtimes from 15 minutes to 10 minutes will result in more ties. You know, I think at first I said shenanigans, but I guess maybe it will, but we won't know the difference. I mean, because aren't most of them over within the first few minutes? I saw a report in Sports Illustrated that since the 2012 season, there have been 83 overtime games, 22 have lasted more than 10 minutes. So about a quarter go more than... Ten minutes. If they weren't there, would we even notice the difference? I don't think so. In in my opinion, when I first wrote this question, my thought was that, yeah, it's going to cause more ties. You're going to have five fewer minutes. But the more I've thought about it, whenever there's a rule change like this in sports, it takes a few a few games, but teams adjust. Teams change their strategies to work within the new rule. And I think teams are just going to maybe take more chances um, which will result in maybe more defensive touchdowns. I don't know, but I feel like teams will adjust to to work within the rule, and and uh, I don't. We might see a couple more ties per season, but I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. If it went from one to two, you probably don't even notice. I guess I can't help feeling that the league makes these little adjustments in the name of player safety, simply so they have something to point to without really doing anything serious about player safety. It's like they want to have something to prove in court they're serious about protecting their players. Yeah, oh, absolutely. When they could be uh, eliminating one or two of the preseason games or something so that they could add a second bye week to let players get healthy. But instead, no, we'll we'll take five minutes off of overtime. Yeah, well, the preseason games equate to some money in revenue. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, Overtime. They're not giving up money in revenue. Number three, the Texas Rangers should be sellers in the trade market. What do you think? I think yes. Do you? Um, yeah. I, I know that they're a pretty good team. They're kind of slumping. They they can't get their hitters going at the same time. But they really don't have any pitching. And I think that uh, when you've fallen behind like they have in a division where the Astros are so good, the Mariners are figuring things out, even the Angels have kind of surprisingly been not terrible. Um 
And you've got Yu Darvish, who's one of the best pitchers in the game, who's 31 years old. He's going to be a free agent after the season. They're probably not going to spend the money to keep him. Trade him. you got you got so many young players in the minors ready to come up. Trade everybody and every and anybody that you can and trade Darvish and and blow it up. I'm going to say shenanigans. I, I think the wild card is great because it keeps teams alive and in the playoff race deeper in the season. They're only one game out of the wild card right now. But it can be a problem, that wild card, for teams sitting in the position that the Rangers find themselves mm-hmm. in yeah. of knowing who they really are. As we speak, they're, they're like I said, they're one game behind in the wild card. But they're seven games behind the Astros in a division which most people say they have very little chance of actually catching those Astros. They have pieces which could bring, bring a haul of prospects. And the Yankees were successful at doing this, the Cubs, and, and of course the Astros. But I just don't think when you're only one game out of a playoff spot that you blow the team up, although that might be a bit of a mirage because it's the wild card. It's mm-hmm. not really – you're not winning a division. You're getting into a one-game playoff. I mean, it, it'd be a bold move if they did. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. <laughs> but it might pay off. I, I'd be against it, yeah. though. And I'm not saying that they should start trading people today, you know, in late May. You know, but you need to at least be laying the groundwork. And if you're not in it in July, then absolutely. Yeah, I think if you fall out of the wild card race, then absolutely. And I may just be saying that as wishful thinking because I'd like to see you, Darvish, in pinstripes. But, (laughs) you know, they're going to be an interesting team to watch for sure. Speaking of the Yankees, they promoted 20-year-old top prospect Glaber Torres to AAA this past weekend after only 32 games in AA. So truth or shenanigans, the quick promotion indicates that the Yankees plan to have Torres in the majors this summer. I say shenanigans. I don't think they plan for him this season, but they want to give him enough experience for sure at the high minor league level so that maybe he can compete for a starting job next spring. I mean, I don't think anyone doubts this kid's going to be playing in the Bronx soon, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's going to be this season. Then again, should the Yankees fall out of contention, it could actually be a good thing for them. I mean, they could trade Didi Gregorius to a contender, get another crop of, of prospects, knowing that Torres, adding Torres to this current crop of young players, you know, these guys that are about to hit the big time, they would actually be strengthening their position. So if they got to a point where they fell out of it, and they don't think they could win a World Series, and, and I think they're going to make the playoffs, but are they going to win a World Series? I, I don't know. So if they fell out of contention and were able to make a trade, of a guy like that could actually benefit the Yankees. Uh, I agree. I do think he'll be up this summer, and do I, you? I I think by August he'll be starting at third base for the Yankees. Uh, I read recently uh, when he was called up, sort of a description of what Chase Headley's done over the past month and a half or two months, and it was described as Chase Headley uh, falling from the sky, hitting every branch and every tree on the way down, burning up in the atmosphere, and landing in a pile of dog poop. And that's kind of, it's a little dramatic, but he's been pretty bad since the hot start. And I think that, I mean, Torres got promoted from double A AA to triple A because in his last five games in double A, he had four home runs. You know, he was ready to be promoted and assuming, which I guess is a big assumption, but assuming that he hits well at triple A, you know, Chase Headley is not blocking the number two prospect in baseball. And it, if he's ready, he's going to be up there. And I think that, uh, he makes the Yankees even more dangerous, and he can get some experience for that that big playoff run you talked about next year. I, and I would love to see it. I'm, I would be very excited to see him in the major leagues. Last but not least, 
the Boston Celtics should trade the number one pick in the draft. Hmm. That's a tough one. I agree. I, I mean, I think so. But there's more than one way to skin a cat. They've got a great young team. They won the top seed in the East. Of course, nobody believes they're truly the best team in the East. But if they are, they're at least number two and at the worst, number three. You know, so they're definitely one of the top teams out there. From my perspective, a veteran player, or at least an established player, would be more valuable than would be a rookie next season. I mean, indications are that the Celtics are high on that kid from Washington, Markel Fultz. Mm-hmm. And with Lonzo Ball saying he's not going to give the Celtics a workout, mm-hmm. although if I were them, I'd probably just draft him just to stick it to the Lakers. you know. <laughs> I, and to Ball, who's saying he doesn't want to play for anybody but the Lakers. So I would probably draft him just because I cut off my nose in spite of my face. But <laughs> there's questions about Fultz playing with Isaiah Thomas in the same lineup there. You know, would that work? I, I guess for me, and, and again, there's a, there's a number of ways to skin a cat, but I'd try to trade him for an established player. Maybe along with that player, you get a lower draft pick this year and a higher one next year and really build, but that's just me. I read an article um, as I was preparing for this question um, that said that absolutely they should. And it suggested, you know, a deal with Chicago for Jimmy Butler or, or a deal to get Paul George. And it said what this team really needs in this era of super teams is a star player to add to Isaiah Thomas. And I really agree with that. I think you're looking at a guy a team that's a number one seed. If you can add a Paul George or a Jimmy Butler instead of a young player who's just breaking into the league and have another go at it next year. I definitely think that's better. I think you try to win right now. I would agree. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about Colin Kaepernick. Is he going to find a job in the NFL? As we said at the top of the show, Chino Smith is employed. Why shouldn't Colin Kaepernick be? You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. Join the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as they present Faith and Family Night Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium as the Rochester Rhinos take on the Ottawa Fury. Ticket prices start at just $15 with part of the ticket proceeds going to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. There'll be music featuring local Christian band Venerant and post-match testimonies including that from Rochester Rhinos legend Doug Miller. So come on out and support your local FCA Saturday, June 17th as the Fellowship of Christian Athletes presents Faith and Family Night at Capelli Sports Stadium. Game time is 6.05 p.m. Tickets can be purchased at the Rhinos box office or call 454-5425 or email tickets at rhinosoccer.com. Use code FCA because remember, part of the ticket proceeds go to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's Faith and Family Night, Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. You're listening to Beyond the Game. 
talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta recording the Beyond the Game program from Rochester, New York. btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. We welcome in those who may be listening from Ashburn, Virginia. Just a half hour or so outside the nation's capital, Ashburn is where the Beyond the Game podcast was downloaded most frequently last week. Coming out of Briarwoods High School in Ashburn was Trace McSorley, Penn State Nittany Lions quarterback. Another high school in Ashburn is Stonebridge High School, where Washington Redskins defensive end Jonathan Allen graduated from. Though born in Alabama and playing for the Tide, the Redskins' first-round draft pick will enjoy training camp at home because the Redskins train in Ashburn, Virginia. Oh, Ashburn, Virginia is just one of many places throughout the country, around the world, where the Beyond the Game podcast is downloaded. If you would like to download previous broadcasts or subscribe so that it's automatically sent to your device, Simply find the show on iTunes or visit our website, btgprogram.com. Colin Kaepernick had an interview this week with the Seattle Seahawks as we sit here in the studio on Thursday evening recording this broadcast. There's been no announcement yet of a signing, though indications seem to be that he very well be may very well be signed by Saturday morning when this program airs. Kaepernick has not drawn any interest from other teams, but the Seahawks seem very interested in him for their backup role, which he appears content to accept a backup position at this point. Like him or hate him, he's shown that he has the skills to play well in the NFL, though he hasn't shown that he could do that consistently. He's played well at times, just not put it together consistently. Call it what you want. Some are saying he's blackballed by the NFL teams. Maybe he is but I think he's created his own situation. And before you go down the road suggesting that he has the freedom and the right to protest anything he wants in any manner he chooses so long as it be within the boundaries of the law, that's true, but so is the idea that teams then have the freedom and the right to opt not to have a backup player on their roster who generates the kind of distraction and media attention which Kaepernick has become. Whether you think that is being blackballed teams are well within their rights to make those choices. And certainly we're not the first to just suggest that it seems ridiculous that Kaepernick is still looking for work at this point, though it be as a backup. Guys like Mark Sanchez found a job with the Bears, Geno Smith with the Giants. Nothing against those guys, but I think Kaepernick is every bit as good as them. Mm-hmm. Better, more likely. We said the same thing about Michael Sam, though. A few years ago, he has this. He has great skills. I applaud his courage for taking a stand for what he thinks is right. But from everything I've read, like Sam Kaepernick is respected. He's liked. He uh, he seems to be a decent guy. Both men don't have, in my opinion, though, the necessary skills to be a regular player in the NFL. In Sam's case, he wasn't even good enough to stick on a roster in the NFL. And you may disagree, and, and, and that's fine, but the fact that nobody offered 
Him a job is proof that every organization in professional football agrees that the skills are not there to warrant a roster spot. Doesn't mean he's a bad guy. Means he's not a good enough football player. Perhaps you feel that it's the media circus surrounding him that's the reason teams did not offer him a job, and to that I say hogwash. I mean, you better believe that if he was that good a player, teams would put up with whatever media circus came along. Mm -hmm. As long as he could play at a high level, if it didn't dissuade teams from Terrell Owens, it wasn't gonna, it wouldn't dissuade him from Michael Sam or a Colin Kaepernick. I'm sure that's part of the decision, no doubt about it. There is for every team some point where the upside of a player's skills outweigh the downside of the baggage that that player may have. And when the skills begin to decline and the reverse becomes true, where then the jobs are no longer offered, the jobs are no longer there, contracts are no longer extended. And it may not be even their fault. So perhaps referring to reasons why teams shy away from a player as baggage, well, that might be unfair, but that's how those teams view it. I mentioned Jonathan Allen a few moments ago. He's a good example. Here's a guy that was projected as a top five NFL draft pick. They discover arthritis in one of his shoulders. He has surgery a week or two before the combine. He slipped to the number 17th spot. You know, players, teams looked at that arthritis, that health issue as baggage. Yeah, and they absolutely. went, they found other options. Eventually, when you get down to number 17 where the Redskins picked, the other options weren't as attractive, and the baggage then wasn't as big a deal. Mm-hmm. Kaepernick's a risk to some some teams. I'm not debating his standing as a as a good person, but team owners have a right, and they're going to execute that right to make a decision which influences the financial fortunes and the public perception of their business. Jason Lockenfora wrote a piece for CBS Sports recently suggesting that whoever does eventually sign Kaepernick will be applauded for their courage. But he labeled the NFL as hypocrites for not signing Kaepernick sooner, saying that the team that does eventually sign him was not being courageous, but was instead simply desperate enough to sign him and give him the shot that he felt, Lockenfora, that he deserved. And I agree in principle. I mean, if Sanchez has a job, if Smith has a job, if E.J. Manuel has a job, mm-hmm. I think Kaepernick should. He's better than those guys. The seasons Geno had with the Jets were laughable. As a Giants fan, I, I don't want Geno Smith. I'd rather have Colin <laughs> Kaepernick. I would. I think I would, too. I'm pretty sure the Bears feel the same way about Sanchez and the Raiders about Manuel. Lockenfora is entitled to his opinion. I respect him most of the time. He's well-informed. I think he's well-written. He doesn't leave room, though, in this piece to give ownership the right to make up their own mind. And the piece, it sort of read like a shameless play for a reaction. Mm -hmm. And I get it. It's his job to sell papers, to get internet clicks, to garner attention. But I thought it was troubling at one point that he seems to have carefully chosen his words, a very, very gratuitous, in attempting to elevate Kaepernick's value— He referred to Blaine Gabbert, who got a contract offer from the Arizona Cardinals, as the embodiment of NFL quarterback privilege. I thought it was an interesting choice of words there, privilege, especially when promoting one quarterback who is biracial while ripping another one, Gabbert, who is white. 
why, why what how is Gabbert the embodiment of the NFL of NFL quarterback privilege? Was it privilege when Michael Vick got another opportunity after his crime? I mean, I'm glad he did. He did his time. He served his penance. He made his amends. Lock and Fora re- referred to Gabbert as an overdrafted and absolute failure as a starting quarterback. Well, what is Kaepernick? Right. I mean, he had a, a, a couple of good seasons. But here's a guy, and, and Lock and Fora is all about the quarterback rating. He has a rating of 88.9, which is pretty good. Not great. Mm-hmm. It's middle of the pack. He's thrown for 72 touchdowns in 69 games. That's pretty good. Yeah. He hardly ever throws an interception, which is actually pretty amazing considering that he only completes about 60% of his passes. <laughs> so there's a lot of passes to nobody in there. Yeah, he's not even completing passes to the defenders. Now, TD passes are important, but they don't tell the whole story. And for that matter, neither does completion ratings, which is exactly my point. There are many things that go into evaluating a quarterback a team is considering. 60% is a pretty loud statistic, in my opinion. If a guy is completing every pass he throws, or almost every pass he throws, I'm guessing teams wouldn't care if he sat, kneeled, or even laid down and took a nap during the national anthem. (laughs) You know? Yeah, very true. Winning trumps all the baggage. I think he deserves a shot. I really do. He's got a ton of skills. And I respect him for taking a stand. It, it takes courage. It takes strength to take a stand for what you believe is right. And he's done right. some good things. You know, it's it's not that we hate the guy. You know, we applaud some of the things that he's done. It's just that you you can't sign him just because of that. I agree. Jesus Christ stood in the face of criticism. Within a week, he went from being hailed and celebrated as he, he was welcomed into town by people who thought he was going to do something which they wanted. And within a week, he's hanging on a cross because they didn't get what they wanted out of the deal. Why? Well, he came to earth to pay this for the sins of every man, woman, and child, including me and you. We're all sinners. Without reconciling those sins with a holy God, we miss out on an eternity in heaven as we pay the consequences of our sins in hell. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Though he was without sin, he bore the burden and the penalty of our sins and gave his life on the cross as a sacrifice, paying for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now Jesus didn't wait for us to become good-hearted people before giving himself as a sacrifice to pay the debt of our sin. He did it while we were yet in sin. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We can't earn our salvation. It's a free gift. The gift of eternal life in heaven with God comes out of his love for us. For God so loved the world, John 3.16 says, that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We're only saved through belief on the cross. The relationship we said earlier in the program with God begins with repentance from our sins. When we know we're a sinner, when we know it's God that we've sinned against, when we know that it's our sins that put Christ on the cross, then it ought to cause us sorrow. We ought to regret that a little bit. It ought to move us to a humble and genuine apology. Telling God that you believe 
that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and that he rose again from the grave, proving he had power over death. Telling God you're sorry for your sins, asking him for his forgiveness, that's where relationship with God starts. And then making changes in your life which reflect a changed heart, following God instead of our own selfish, sin, selfish sinful ways. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you want to know about more about a faith in Christ, you can reach out to us through our Facebook, through Twitter, or if you just want some prayer, you can even leave an anonymous message on our studio line, 585-431-1202. Zach, we got to close out the show. We're running out of time. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. NFL teams are taking part in organized team activities. As you know, they're completely voluntary. And pictures can be deceiving, but Kevin Benjamin had a picture go viral, was going all over social media. He was wearing a tight jersey. He's at these OTAs, and he looks a little bit overweight. But he got killed on social media to the point where Ron Rivera, he he, he may have set the whole thing up but a month ago saying that he came in a little heavy. But after the trolls had their fun, Rivera came to the defense of his player, reminding people that these are voluntary. There's still three months until the season. And he told ESPN, I thought that was unfair because this is all voluntary. He worked himself into shape. His route running has been very sharp. Of course, it's a job of a coach to defend his players, but people can be unnecessarily cruel with the words when it comes to a person's weight. Millions of people suffering with eating disorders and they battle weight issues all their lives. Look, these people know they've got an issue. When you're overweight, you know it. You don't need social media trolls picking on you and making things worse. And I'm not saying that Benjamin has an issue. It was just a picture. But people are just cruel. Panthers coach Ron Rivera pointing out how hard Kelvin Benjamin has been working and doing so un- doing so voluntarily after an unflattering picture went viral through social media. It's what I like this week. You like that? You like that? What I liked was seeing uh, Team Sweden win the IH. IIHF Hockey World Championships. As a Ranger fan, getting uh, to see Henrik Lundqvist raise a trophy as a championship while playing on a team captain by his brother Joel was fantastic. The emotion that they showed after uh, winning the game in a shootout was fantastic. So seeing Henrik Lundqvist and Team Sweden win is what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? That's a nice moment for the Lundquists, I'm sure. That's it for us. Thanks for being with us. This has been the Beyond the Game program. I want to say happy birthday to my son, Brett. Though I don't get to see him nearly as much as I would like to because of his busy schedule, he's been the apple of my eye since the day he was born. Happy birthday, Tiger. I love you. Hope you have a great birthday. Be sure to check out the Myth and Mysteries podcast. If you enjoy myths, curious stories, and unsolved mysteries, then this podcast is for you. Zach Barletta and his brother Spencer Hoth, Myst and Mysteries, available on iTunes and Google Play, or visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. Thanks for being with us. Please consider partnering with our ministry of sharing the gospel through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website for more information, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody.